yeah, I feel like the Able Tasman is designed for the water. When you're on the water and you look back up, you got this big, beautiful green forest, and and because there's a five meter tidal difference, like huge tide, there's all these crazy lagoons that I can spend a whole weekend in one little part of the national park. I could even go up and down that same part, and you would never see the same part twice because the tides change, and every time you go past, it'll be completely different. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host, Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, moms, students, and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road, or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car, and turn up the volume. Kia ora, welcome Kyle to the Aotearoa Adventures podcast. It's so awesome to have you on here. Um, do you want to say a little hello and introduce yourself? Yeah, well, kia ora. Thank you so much for having me on here. And kia ora to everyone listening in. Get ready, sit back, and listen to my absolute gibberish of rambling on for the next however long i'll try and stay on task because i go on tangents <laughs> well i'm looking forward to it <laughs> that's good um sweet let's do this i'm ready i'm let's go so your your name's kyle you live at the top of the south island um what do you do for work yeah, so I am based in a little town of Motueka, right on the waterfront. I'm very blessed that I just have this cute little rental that we live here. Um, for work, I travel and take selfies for a job. That's my main. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, I I've been so traveling much. and oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I have been. I guess now it's called a content creator. I've been called an influencer. I've been called many different jobs, um, photographer, videographer, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I guess the best way I can describe it is I travel with a selfie stick and make videos. I also yeah. do work as a sea kite guide in the Able Tasman, uh, which is one of the most beautiful parts in the world. Um, so yeah, a few different feathers in the cap. Yeah, how long have you been doing content creation for, or selfies, running around with a selfie stick, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> yeah, I actually came up with the idea. It was probably back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. So yeah, been in it for a wee while. Hence the grey so hairs. Before, uh, before Instagram was even around. Yeah, I remember actually hearing. It's funny because I'm hearing all the chat about TikTok and. I do remember hearing the chat about Instagram and being like, oh, come on, man. I'm already kind of just figuring out one app. And now you're telling me i got to go into another bloody app and all of this rubbish and bits and pieces. And, yeah, just sort of roll with the punches, really. Because, I mean, I used to shoot on VHS, on film and video wow. and slides. And um, I traveled, you know, when I was 20, 21, I traveled with a – disposable waterproof camera that had 24 rolls of film in it and that would yeah that was my that was my travel 
We yeah. actually, um, when we kayaked Abel Tasman last summer, we had one of those cameras. And this is shocking because I still haven't developed the film yet, but I was so stoked to have like a waterproof camera that we could use on our trip. So I, they're great. Although I, I can't, I guess I can't say that because I haven't developed the film yet. So maybe, maybe they're awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I love the concept. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's all I knew. It's like, I kind of look at it now. I'm like, I wonder what it would be like if a time machine could take, go back to when I was 20, backpacking, going to Canada for the first time, what it would be like to have all of these GoPros and mm. laptops that you have now and all of this stuff. Do I want it? Do I not want it? Because I kind of liked not knowing and it was cool, man. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's That's an interesting awesome. one. Well, tell us a little bit more about um, travel and how did that all start for you? Was it something that you grew up doing? Did you, were your parents traveling heaps and how did that all come about? Well, I grew up in a very rural setting in the little town of Norswood, which I know you're everyone's googling right now I know you're like <laughs> what is this town it's basically bang smack halfway between Palmerston North and Napier and it's off okay. the highway so the yeah. highway doesn't even go through it um, and I grew up in a little town there traveling for us was going maybe 30 40 minutes down the road to sit up in a you know, set the tents up uh, and camp on the river or we'd maybe go to Turangi fly fishing or, yeah. you know, if, if we were having a fancy time, we'd go down to the big city of Wellington where I had some cousins. But I didn't go overseas to the South Island till I left high school. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so traveling was never a thing. We never – we weren't those fancy rich kids that went to Surfers Paradise or Disneyland <laughs> or – or Auckland or any of those places when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, the first time I traveled was I went on the Spirit of New Zealand when I was 16. And oh, yeah, yeah. Took a took a bus all the way to the big scary city of Auckland. And so, yeah. And, and then, you survived. You you survived Auckland. I did. Well, I was on, out at sea all the time. But that, that for me was a life changer and a moment where I wanted more adventure in my life and realized mm. it was more to the world than just uh, kind of, you know, you only know what you know as a kid. And I was like, man, there's some really beautiful, fun people and adventures out there to be had. And I want to go and live many different lives and have a go. And And so then, yeah, I ended up, moving to the South Island after high school and okay. studied. I studied, it was called outdoor rec back then, outdoor recreation, but now it's okay. adventure tourism. Yeah. Um, and so I did two years of that and then didn't even make it my graduation. I was already working as a raft guide. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I ended up being a raft guide in Murchison yeah well I was, a, I was a trainee raft guide so back back in the day when you're a trainee you were just like you did all the hard jobs and stuff the new guides now got it so easy man they just come straight in and they're getting paid it's crazy me <laughs> man i was like slaving away for a year and then um yeah we kind of have this saying in tourism and if you ever meet a guide they'll always say this well some of them will say it but we never um work for travel you travel for work yeah 100 percent. 
my husband studying outdoor education. It sounds like it's a, a bit of a similar degree, but um, he was off on like sailing trips and kayaking trips. Meanwhile, I'm like studying hard for these exams, and I'm thinking I've done something wrong. Like, why did I pick an urban planning degree when he's he's off calling doing these assignments? <laughs> Mate, um, you've you've never picked a wrong thing. I don't even know what I'm gonna do when I grow <laughs> up. So I'm thinking about maybe transform a robot dinosaur or something like that. I don't know. We'll see when I grow up. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah. how did where did things evolve from raft guiding? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did that for a while. I, you know, went over to Canada. I met a girl when I was real young she was canadian so i ended up going to canada didn't even have a visa and i just did like a year of like working for tips and random jobs and um Were you on the ski fields at all no i actually um i was doing a bit of safety kayaking back then and yeah. i um put up christmas lights in calgary so i was abseiling Amazing. off giant huge roofs to put up uh christmas lights on fancy people's houses it was really cool it was me and this Mexican guy called Alfonso. We were the two illegal immigrants in Canada. No one <laughs> from customs listens to this, I hope, because and it's way ages ago. So yeah, come at me. But it was so fun. It was the greatest time ever. But yeah, I, I um raft guided for a while. I actually went to Japan and raft guided. Um and it was awesome job. Traveled around, then moved back to New Zealand and I dislocated my shoulder on the Atahua uh. River on the west coast yeah. of the South Island. Yeah. And got a real fright through that. Had a absolute mare of a time. I think now it's funny because I know I look at this, you know, you guys, this new generation, and it's like cool to talk about mental health and all of that jazz. Mm. But back then it was just like, eh, you're injured. You'll be right. And I think now it probably was in depression maybe. I don't know if it was or not. But it definitely went down a pretty shithole that time, you yeah. know. And then, um, I mean, if it if it impacts your whole life, if that's something that you're spending every day doing, and then suddenly you've got this injury that you can't be out doing what you love, that definitely would take a toll on your mental health. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it just wasn't a thing to talk it just wasn't a thing back mm. then and so mm. yeah so I had a pretty shitty summer and then um actually ended up becoming a sea kite guide in the able Tasman for physio I kind of thought it'd be good for my shoulder to sort of work it back out and I hated the idea of sea kayaking like it's just <laughs> it's just like tramping on the ocean like how boring you know when you and you do you prefer 20- tramping then or did you prefer tramping back then god no I just preferred Whitewater kayaking off waterfalls and <laughs> doing fun stuff and yeah, flat yeah. water was a bit boring. Oh hell yeah! And then I I, I remember I showed up in Abel Tasman and then I was like, boom! I think the season was like, when was that? That would have been like it was two thousand and three or four. When I first moved into Abel Tas, and then yeah, bloody hell, still here, ridiculous. <laughs> Turns out I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, man. Yeah, that place is amazing. As soon as I found it, I was like, yeah, this is pretty choice. So, yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful region in the country. And I don't know how it came onto our radar, um, but my husband sort of mentioned it to me. And I was like, are you crazy? Like, 
multi-day kayaking. Like I could not wrap my head around it when he first floated the idea to me. Um, but obviously warmed up to it because three or four years later, we, we went and did that last summer and I loved it. And every person I talk to, I'm like, don't tramp, don't do the tramp, do the kayak because you don't have to carry everything on your back. You just stuff your kayak full of everything. You can take booze. You can, you don't have to worry about weight. Um, so it's, it's way better alternative, I think, than tramping. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny one. It's like, um, especially in the Able Tasman, I think, and obviously I'm biased and people are listening and, but everyone's like, Oh, kayaking, it's going to be so hard. And because everyone grows up walking, so they think they can walk. Mm. And then they, they like, I don't want to rent a kayak. And when I was, and they all have that one war story. When I was this age and I fell over and we tipped the boat, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Whatever, mate. I can tell you now, and for 20 years of guiding out there, I've had about four capsizes. Yeah. You know, like, and then, yeah, I feel like the Abel Tasman is designed for the water. Whereas, like, say, say somewhere like the Marlborough mm-hmm. Sounds, I'm going to get absolutely butchered if someone else listens to this, and they're going to, and they have a business in one of these places. But I feel like the Marlborough Sounds is designed for the land, because when, like, let's say the Marlborough Sounds, for example, when I'm in, you know, you're on the the, the Queen Charlotte track, you look out and you see yeah. this beautiful water scene. Whereas when you're on the water, looking back you see logging in behind the forest and you see batches and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but whereas when you're in the Abel Tasman and you're on the track, the track just goes up and down, up and down all the time. It's hot. And you just look out at this empty ocean because it's, it's just this one line. So you just look straight out over the sea. Whereas when you're on the water and you look back up, you got this big, beautiful green forest and, and because there's a five meter tidal difference, like huge tide, there's That's all nuts, these crazy yeah. lagoons that yeah you. I can spend a whole week in that, in one little part of the national park. I could even go up and down that same part, and you would never see the same part twice because the, the tides change, and every time yeah. you go past, it'll be completely different. And it's just, it's a magical little place. It's the smallest national park in Aotearoa. And um, we kind of have a saying around here that even the birds fly slow Mm. and you've got to learn to slow down. And that's something that has taken me all of this time is to learn to bloody slow down because I, Mm. and I still probably don't because I'm still way too energetic apparently, but (laughs) that place is like, if you, yeah, if you slow down and let the place breathe, let the tide, watch the tides. It's going to be amazing. I meet everyone I meet who's out there renting a kayak or walking on their own. They're trying to do the whole thing in three days. And both my wife and I, if we ever talk to someone and try and explain it to them, you're like, what's the photo? What's the video that brought you here? And it's someone sitting on a beach. So just stop. Sit on a beach. Like, you're not, yeah. you're not missing anything if you don't hit that part of the park or this part of the park. It's not like, oh, which everyone's like, which is the most beautiful beach? It's the one that you're sitting on right now. So just calm the farm, make your plan, and then halve it, and just slow that, 
slow down, man, because the ableism, yeah. that's what it's about, you know. And no, that's, I love that's, that so much. That's um, definitely the way we did it. And I remember I also put my phone on airplane mode at the start of the trip. Um, I was just like, even if there is signal, I don't want it. Like I'm just here to soak this all in and just enjoy it as much as I can. Um, and when we, we did it self-guided, but the um, company that we rented from, I was like, what's the longest we can do? Like, can we do five days? Like, <laughs> like we just wanted to take it at a really slow pace and just like, you know, two days or two hours of paddling a day. And, um, we ended up doing three nights and four days out on the water. Um, and even that I was like, it was good, but I feel like you could just, you could spend ages out there. And like you said, you don't see the same place twice because the tides are different and the weather's different and everything just changes. So yeah, that's a really good tip. I think to people, um, give it as much time as you can. <laughs> yeah, it's a very special place and it's um, and obviously being a guide, you know, people think it's a sales pitch, but I'm a massive fan of guided trips. Like we mm. did the Hollyford uh, last year, year before, and had these most amazing guides. You know, like you can just walk past a tree and a tree's a tree, but then if you stop and connect and a local can help you, that tree will change. Yeah. And if you come into the Abel Tasman, someone like myself, I'm going to show you places that just simply aren't in a guidebook or anything like that. And I, and I think that's what, that's the idea of having a guide. And like uh, there's Wilson's Abel Tasman is one of the tour companies that do all these hike, walking guides and they, their guides are phenomenal. Or mm. I work for Abel Tasman kayaks and we do multi-day or day trip sea kayaking tours. And the companies pride themselves on, the level of guide, the knowledge and the stories and everything oh, like 100%. that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I, I love uh, yeah, I love it when I see those people who are, you know, whenever we pull into a beach or you're doing your thing, especially Kiwis, Kiwis are great. At, they'll look over and go, oh, look at you guys being guided, must be useless. It's like, oh, here we go. All right. And, it, and it's just going to be, it's going to happen all the time. And the last couple of years with COVID was hilarious because, well, it was shit actually because none of the Kiwis used guides. But if they saw us out there, they would always make a comment like, oh, it must be good to have the Kiwis around. It's like, mm, not really. But then after after about an hour on the beach, they start seeing what we're doing differently. They see the cheese and crackers coming out. They see the wine. Then they see us sitting down, maybe weaving, maybe doing something, talking. And they next thing you start seeing them kind of listening and joining and then and, and I, I'm my guiding style. I, I tell stories, so I'm a storyteller. And so I'll, I'll empty the whole campsite down to the beach and tell a whole story on the beach and. And it, it happens every single, I can tell you, it goes exactly the same way that the campsite will start looking, go, oh, yeah. And I'll go around early and say, hey, I'm going to tell a story, come down and join me with my crew. And they'll be like, oh, yeah. And I, I have a big putatata, like a conch shell, and I'll blow yeah. it. And they'll look out, and then one or two will sneak out. And then about halfway through, a few more will start sneaking out. And then and then towards the end, I'll have the whole campsite down. And then at the end, there'll be this big, all oh, the 
all the people come up and like, oh my God, that was so cool. I'm so glad I came down. This is so amazing. And their, their whole <laughs> attitude has changed. They're like, oh, and the next morning they'll come over and like, man, you guys got it real sorted. Who do you work for, man? Abel Tasman Kayaks. Oh, right, next time we come, we're definitely coming out. We're going to do one of these trips with you guys because eh? you got it sorted. You know what's going on. And I would never yeah. have known about that. And oh, thanks for this. And it's just like, we're not trying to hide or ruin anyone's day i think people have this idea that a guide's just there to be i don't know some weird well, cheesy it's more than fa- just a safety person isn't it well yeah that's what we we do we safety is like the last part of the bloody job mate we're there to you know someone yeah, spent exactly. a lot of money and i want to make sure they have the best time in the world so yeah 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 well, that's so cool. Well, for people that maybe haven't been to the region or haven't heard of it, can you sort of paint a little bit of a picture of what what it's like and what to expect um, if you're doing the yeah the multi day kayak trip? Oh, if you come into the Able Tasman, um, I mean, it is <laughs> this this season's been one of the shittiest rainiest summers we've had in Aotearoa, but. <laughs> Generally, the Able Tasman is the high sunshine spot. Picture, it's the, I guess you would say, the tropical Fiji-looking destination. Um, turquoise water, golden sandy beaches, and not palm trees, but, you know, luscious green the forests. The pungas are palm. Sort, of, sort of palm tree. <laughs> pungas, you got Nikos up north, um, and then uh, fur seal colonies and... Um, so it's a very magic spot, but one of the unique things about the Abel Tasman is it's open to everyone. So it's mm-hmm. history. Um, what beyond? Uh, so the, the Maori occupation was first, and that that was along the coastline. So the coastline's always had a had a breath of life in it, um, and so the first breath is the. Tide. So you got that huge tidal difference always yeah. changing the shape of the land. Yeah. And then you've had the Māori occupation along the coastline. And then um, unfortunately the European occupation was more uh, devastating with just burning and clear, clear felling the land. Mm. And so a lot of the forest down in the southern end is second growth. It is well generated back and it's very beautiful. But because there was um, European occupation, there are a lot of uh, batches in the national park. So when the park was established in 1942, the national park, the houses that were in there, there was sort of three different ideas for the land. So if you had a house, you could hold on to the house for as long as sort of granddad had the house for. And the last okay. lifetime, those were lifetime batches and they're no longer there because the last one has now been removed. But then you got 99-year leases and then freehold right. land. And so the National Park has this history of locals having a holiday home in the National Park. I did find that really interesting. It was yeah. unexpected. So it's not a national park where it's reserved for short shorts and gators and serious hikers. Those people are definitely there and they are there being miserable and eating dehydrated food and (laughs) judging everyone else coming in on their power boats going, oh, what are you doing ruining this place? So that's definitely, if you want to be that person, it's there for you. But this national park, because it's a, it's accessibility by water. You've got Marahau or Kaititi, two townships 
and the southern end that are mm-hmm. close by, it is very easy to get a water tap a boat up into the national park. And so the batch owners have a history of obviously that's the only access to their to their homes. Yeah. yeah. There's no road access. There's no power in the national park. But so it started with them going up into it. And then obviously the coastal track was established. Um, that almost became, would have become a road if the, if it hadn't become a national park back in the day. Okay. But so that's, yeah. that's, that's a walking track. It's a beautiful walking track. And then so through the batch owners, the taxi company started to evolve and now you've got water taxis. So today if you go there, grandma could come into the national park and she could go on yeah, a sightseeing 100%. taxi to yeah. hikers who are serious hikers can get a water taxi to the very top end and walk back or you can start at mm-hmm. the southern end and walk north. So most people will walk the trail one way. And depending on the tidal times, because there's a lot of estuaries or lagoons that you can only cross at a certain time, um, depends on which way you'll walk the track. And now you've got kayaking companies as well. So you've got kayakers, you've got rental kayakers, um, you've got overnights, you've got day tours, you've got everything is out there. And so you've got this in between 10 to 3 or 10 to 4, you've got this in- entire breath of humans coming in exploring this place in different different parts of the park and you know depend on their budget depends on how far they book their taxi to take them in and but it's really neat because everyone's out there because they want to be out there and so you've got all this people just exploring having a look and then during the New Zealand holidays you've got all those holiday makers so we, we always say we've got half of bloody Christchurch coming up here. And they- <laughs> I think we were actually there over like Christchurch or it might have been Nelson weekend anniversary, anniversary weekend or something. So yeah. for two of the four days that we were in the park, it was just like boats, jet skis, just like it did feel like absolutely everyone was there. But having said that, it still felt like there was enough space. It, it, I mean, I'm from Auckland, so it's nowhere near as crowded as like Hauraki on a, on a busy day. The thing is everyone's kind of, most of those people, they're in the southern end of the park and they're landing at a beach for lunch. They have their lunch and then they leave. And then, and I could literally take you into the national park around the busiest time between Christmas and New Year's on a five-day trip and you could sit on, say, Anchorage Beach, one of the busiest beaches in the national park at four o'clock in the afternoon because all the day tours kind of coincide and it's right in the middle of the national park in the southern end. And all the day tours, kind of the hikers, the kayakers, they all kind of collide into that beach at the end of the day. And then they all leave. And so we have this crazy rush hour and then that beach is empty and yeah. everyone's gone. And if you have time and you can stay overnight in that Nash- that park, then there's no one in there. Those Department of Conservation do an amazing job of managing the park and the campsites can only hold what they can hold. And there's plenty of room and, you know, like it's been quite funny actually because people always look at the little campsites and they go straight for them. But the little campsites, when they're full, they're actually more chocker because they are little, whereas the bigger ones, they spread out more. And it's kind of, I honestly suggest going for the bigger campsites like Anchorage or Bark Bay because you sit on the beach and they're way bigger beaches and then there's no one out there. 
Yeah. And it's beautiful. Nice. And yeah, it's so when I'm running my my tours, like I, on an overnight tour, I'll, you know, you know the boat's coming in at 10 o'clock, the kayakers are going to be there. So you just go half an hour ahead and you don't mm-hmm. see anyone. Or you go an mm-hmm. hour behind that and you don't see anyone. But if you're, yeah, like it's a, it's a national park you can have to yourself and it's a national park you can share with other people and yeah and I, I, like and I love it and you've got to you, you got to come in with that attitude that mate you're just going to sh- like a humans a human i don't know why humans are so upset when they see another human they get someone they go oh <laughs> there's someone here oh my god it's like get over it mate they're all bloody yeah. kids having the best, living their best lives. And oh, absolutely. You know, like, they can come out here and they can water ski or they can be towed by mum and dad on their powerboat in one of those cool sea biscuits and sit on a beach in a national park in a beautiful place. That is so much, that is such a better way for a kid to grow up than going to a harbor in downtown Nelson on a, because that's the only place they can sit on a beach. You know, like yeah. this is the best place for them to see, be a part of it. You know, there's toilets there. I, I don't see – it's crazy. You don't see all this rubbish and all of this stuff going on. Like it's mm. it's a really cool – it's a unique place. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you some hard questions now. Um, Go. I'm going to ask you about your favorites and – it's probably hard for you to pick. Maybe it's not. But um, do you have a favorite campsite in the in the national park? I really love Anchorage campsite. Okay. Yeah, it's right in the middle. The dawn chorus in there at 5 a.m. is deafening. I'll actually wake my clients yeah. up to listen to the dawn chorus there. Because um, there's a hut the- at Anchorage as well, isn't there? There and is a hut. There a campsite. There's a campsite there. There's some yeah. amazing little walks to go from to and from and around that spot there. And yeah. 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 Cool. Do you have a favorite beach? I actually don't have a favorite beach. I oh, wish I could say. You've got to answer the question. I know. I, <laughs> you do top three, top three. Okay. I'd say my favorite beach will be the sand spit on Adele Island because Lisa and my wife got married on there. Oh, wow. That is really yeah. cool. How's that? Um, and the beach only exists that, at yeah, low tide. Yeah, you win. That wins. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll go with that. We, um, yeah, when we kayaked over that sand spit, I think we saw like nine stingrays. And yeah, they just, cool, hey. they must have all just been sitting there and then they just like all scattered. And I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, Talking about wildlife, you've had a couple of fun wildlife encounters in the park, haven't you? <laughs> well, I know the one you're thinking about, and that was actually in Kaikoura, where I got slapped in the face. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about the slapped in the face by a seal with an octopus. I kid octopus. you not, if I'm having a bad day, I'll find that video, and it just brings me so much joy, Kyle. <laughs> just the, the, the likelihood of that happening and being on camera. I mean, I suppose you've you've got a camera or you're recording most of the time, so that oh, helps. Mate, if we didn't have a GoPro on there at the time, and I tried to tell you right now, I got slapped in the face by a seal with an octopus. You'd never believe me. Like you're no. like, that's so bizarre. But no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was actually in Kaikolda, out with Kaikolda yeah. kayaks, um, which I think is one of the most if you want to see wildlife and go kayaking with wildlife. 
Kaikoura mm. is a destination. Um, mm. And here's a little here's a little hint, little top tip, pro tip, if you want. You know, up to you. You can you can tell people about this or keep it to yourself. But March and April is the time yeah. to be in Kaikoura to go sea kayaking with dolphins because they come in really close to shore around that time of year and uh, the guys from Kaikoura Kayaks have a unique permit which allow them to sea kayak with dolphins and whales and mm. it is the most phenomenal time. So try and get there around Easter, get out with Kaikoura Kayaks. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It's phenomenal. I'll be down there this year again. It's I go there oh, every that's year. That's awesome. Yeah. Kaikoura is one of those places, and I've said this on the podcast before, but we have passed through and we we haven't stopped. Um, it's always like quick. We've got to get from the ferry to Christchurch. Oh um, come on, man! Like I know the, the dolphin know. Swimmer, <laughs> dolphin encounter. I will put that in my top three things in the world I've ever done. Wow, swimming yeah. with dolphins. Yeah, in Kaikoura. Yeah. yeah. Well, circling back to Abel Tasman, um, what what's the most exciting wildlife you've seen in in Abel Tasman? I may or may not have fallen. This is way back in the day, my first season in the Able Tasman. And we so we finished the day tour, we're on the taxi back, and as we come around the corner, there's some killer whales. And I've never seen a killer whale. I didn't wow. know what a killer whale was. I just yeah. knew the movie Free Willy. <laughs> and so the skiffer at the time was like, jump in, jump in. And me and my buddy, we jumped in and I jumped in the water and I swam away from the the water taxi. I was like, yeah. And then I see this giant enormous fin come up probably about 10 meters or so away from me. Like, holy shit. Wait, did you know they were in there before you jumped in? Yeah. yeah, I knew they were in there. That was the idea was that we'd see them. So you willingly got into the water? Yeah. I mean, you can't, definitely can't do that now. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Highly illegal to do that now, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm, going with this is back in the day and then swam back to the kayak i swam back to the water taxi and i shit shit my pants and then i looked up looked (laughs) down looked up couldn't see anything looked down and boom right in front of me was like an arm's distance away from me was this giant huge orca and i'm just like staring face to face with an orca and it's just the most amazing moment of my life and i was just like incredible and I just stared under the water at him for ages and then there was just this woof. I heard the massive noise from under the water and it kind of just swam down and went underneath me. And then I kind of got dragged out and all the clients on the taxi were just freaking out. And I didn't hear – it was weird. I couldn't – I didn't hear them at all. I just was had this peaceful moment and then um, hopped back on and then I, then I got scared and realized what had happened. And then I turned around and my buddy who I jumped in the water with – wasn't even wet. He had, he had completely bailed on me. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and that was that was a moment where I then was like, what's a killer whale? I want to learn more about it. And then I ended up straight after that season went to Canada and sea kite guided mm. with killer whales in Canada. So, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. I mean, killer whales don't often hurt people. I think there's been very few, if any, there's never been a recorded attack outside of SeaWorld. There we go. Yeah, Um, but that was pretty amazing. Um, There's definitely few towards the end of the summer season when the baby seals start to um, 
leave their parents alone. Some of them will approach, swim out to the kayaks, and they'll climb on top of the kayaks, which is pretty crazy. Aww. And you just the baby like, oh. seals are so cute. They were still little um, when we we were there, sort of end of January, start of February. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are the cutest things. Yeah, the baby seals, like they are. I never get sick of them, man. They are just incredible. I love yeah. them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, a packing list. What are your top three things that someone will have to take with them? Top three things. Can I put a positive attitude as one of them? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Only three. If you had three, three main items. I always bring a pillowcase. Mm-hmm. because then you can put all your clothes into the pillowcase and then you got this mm. nice comfy thing because it's turning a t-shirt yeah. inside out and making a pillow that sucks um but a pillowcase is pillowcase is always cool um gum boots i always love taking my gum boots because interesting yeah well when you see kayaking it's kind of nice like at the end of the day to be able to just put your feet into because your feet are you know you're just I'm in bare feet the whole time. I literally leave the beach. Mm. I don't even wear my jandals. It's just like you're just in bare feet the whole time. But it's kind of nice in the evenings to then put some socks and gumboots on. Um, and I find shoes just niggly, whereas gumboots, you just like, if it's dewy in the morning, you've got like dry feet. It's just like, it's just like that nice little, ooh, that little yeah. uh, sand free That's good moment. to know. I wouldn't have thought about bringing gumboots. Yeah. And then I always believe in good places, good food. So good places, good food, man. There's no need to skimp out on the food. Like cheese and crackers, you know, make nachos out there. You can take nachos, burritos, make some fun food, you know. Yeah, when you're kayaking, weight's not an issue. So Even hiking, you can always find something cool. You can always find something cool. Just do a little bit of thinking about it and don't, yeah. Good yeah, places, I'm pretty good sure food. we like pre-cooked a curry the night before we went and had like we froze it. So yeah, we just defrosted it when we got to the campsite and had nice hot curry first night. Yeah, I mean, I'll make like Mediterranean pasta, chickpea curries. Mm. Um, you make delicious Spaghetti bolognese, nachos. We'll do nachos one night. Um, take a yeah, pavlova out nachos. there. Um, make tiramisu. You know, you can make all these del- delicious, like, you can make so many epic meals. So good places, You're definitely good food. selling your guided tours here just for the food. <laughs> I would I would yeah. sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. If we're looking at the wider sort of nelson tasman region sort of zooming out a bit from abel tasman and the national park there but do you have any other must-dos or secret gems in the region that um you you want to share with people some of your favorite things to do in the the wider region oh my gosh there is so many last year actually (laughs) yeah last year i did this epic mission with nelson tasman tourism called 100 ways so jump onto their instagram scroll down to their reels and i made a hundred reels of all the different things in the region and there is a ridiculous amount rafting on the Buller river the kawatiri i mean yes i started mm. as a raft guide there um get over to the bainham store on the way to the heafy trail the langford store i think i called it the bainham store for some reason but it was the langford store um, oh, that rings a bell. I feel like we popped in there and got ice creams. Yeah, there you go. The Langford store. 
there's this crazy quirky store there which is uh, it doesn't matter who you are it's just call in it'll eat up your whole day it's this crazy quirky store with everything in it from art to like just cool place for a cup of tea and sit down over in Golden Bay, there's this really, really cool walk called the Poo Poo Hydro Walkway. Now, everyone okay. goes over to why called a Poo Poo Springs, or they just call yeah. it Poo Poo Springs. But as you're driving out there, get onto the dirt road to the right. So you cross, you follow the main road to why okay. called a Poo Poo, but hang a right, and there's this epic, epic loop trail, which is in one of those hundred ways things. So go check yeah. that out. Um. Oh man, so many um, incredible things. The natural flames in Murchison. So there's these natural flames that have been burning through gas down in Murchison. Wow. That you can you can take a guided because you've got to go guided walk because it's cross private property and it's yeah, you know yeah. there's no way you can get people out to there. Um, that blew my mind. Um, go and see the guys at Paddle. Uh, Nelson or Moana paddle boards, go and get them paddle across to the lighthouse in Nelson. Now you've, everyone has seen the lighthouse at some point. There's this lighthouse that's just sitting there. Yeah. They can paddle you across and they have a key and you can just walk into that lighthouse and go for a hoon around. Wow. It's so cool. It's absolutely phenomenal. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that blew my mind. Um, Oh my gosh. There's so many little treats. You could keep on going. You've got another um, 92 things to do. (laughs) How many did I say? Jeez, not not even enough. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. There's some really cool, cool things. Um, Like the Brook Y Marama Sanctuary in Nelson. So there's a wildlife century with one of those huge mm. huge fences perimeter fence around um oh, that's yeah, awesome it's pretty special so there you go i don't know man yeah, well, i can keep you. going yeah yeah well uh, we'll we'll send everyone to the nelson tasman tourism page and i'm sure they can discover some more things over there yeah scroll down Ta- and tag me in which one you like the most and then i'll be like oh that was cool because man that was that was a hell of a mission yeah i can imagine that's so much fun <laughs> yeah yeah Cool. Well, before we wrap up, because we're coming sort of to the end of the time, but um, I always like to ask guests if they've got a sort of bucket list destination in Aotearoa or somewhere that you haven't been yet or an experience that you haven't yet done yet, that's sort of top of your bucket list. Yeah, I. Um, is it funny, actually? Liz Carlson, the young adventurous, um, if you don't yep. know her, check her out on Instagram anywhere, young adventurous. She actually just put something up about the Whanganui River and I've filmed bits of it but only ever in a day, you know, like we were flown mm-hmm. in by chopper or we've whipped up in a jet boat, but I've always wanted to actually do the whole thing properly. Because it's um, one of those great walks or great – Great yeah, canoe trip or something. It is a great walk, but it's you know it's a canoe trip. So I've always wanted canoes, to yeah. do it properly and do the five day or however long mm. do a canoe trip down there. Um, yeah, I think that would be quite cool to do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing some of your wisdom from the last what is it two decades of kayaking in Able Tasman. <laughs> Oh my god! Is it that long, wow. or is it is it less? Yeah, wow, we. I don't um, know. <laughs> yes, sounds about right. There we go. Yeah, it was it was one of those trips that's definitely one of the best trips that I've done in New Zealand. I just I just loved every moment of it so much, and I'm keen to do it again with like a bigger group of friends. It was just me and my husband last time, um, 
keen to do it guided as well. Um, so thanks for sharing your wisdom. And before we wrap up, do you want to let people know where they can find you on socials um, and where they can connect with you? Oh, why? Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's just come and find me at Bear Kiwi. It's B A R E Kiwi. So Bear Kiwi, uh, random name I know. I started social, before social media with a website called New Zealand Uncovered. Well, that was the idea okay. of the business. It didn't even happen. And so I had this little <laughs> slogan that would be Bear Kiwi. Uploaded the social media under that name, and I'm now bloody stuck with the name Bear Kiwi. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah, come no, check it I love out. That. Yeah, YouTube. Trying to get more into my YouTube tutorials. So if they want tutorials on anything GoPro, mm-hmm. trying to get more into that. Trying to figure out TikTok. Don't I don't haven't posted for months. Don't even open the app. But pretty, <laughs> act, pretty active on Instagram, I think. So yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time. This has been really, really cool. Sweet as. I hope I haven't chewed your ear off, mate. Kia ora Tifano. I just want to say a huge shout out to my listeners. Welcome back to the podcast for 2023. I'm so excited you're here. And wasn't that a phenomenal episode to kick off the year with Kyle from Bear Kiwi? Don't go just yet because I do have a wee surprise for you at the end and it's better than a funny blooper. But thank you so much for your patience over the summer months. I had a well-needed break and it was phenomenal to catch up with Fano overseas, but I missed this. I missed recording and I'm really excited for all that's in store for the podcast this year. It means so much to me that you guys follow along, that you share your attention with me for a full 30 to 45 minutes each week and that's not something I take for granted. A few updates. We have a new website, a new home for the podcast on the web. So head to the description to check that out. It was such a fun project pulling together a new website and I loved getting to pour my creative energy into that project. So I hope you love it as much as I do. Um, And as always, please, please leave me a review on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, keep binging those episodes because each one of those things helps me get the show out there into the world. And I truly want people to be able to be inspired and empowered to travel around Aotearoa through the things we share on the show. I always, always love hearing from my listeners to send me a voice message. They are always such a joy to receive. And now what you've been waiting for, sorry I don't have my outro music, but until next time, keep adventuring. And here's a little here's a little hint, little top tip, pro tip if you want. You know, up to you. You can, you can tell people about this or keep it to yourself. But March and April is the time to be in Kaikoura to go sea kayaking with dolphins because they come in really close to shore around that time of year and uh, the guys from Kaikoura Kayaks have a unique permit which allow them to sea kayak with dolphins and whales and it is the most phenomenal time. So try and get there around Easter, get out with Kaikoura Kayaks. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It's phenomenal. I'll be down there this year again. It's I go there every year. Yeah.